You're dialed in to the Turn In Two podcast with your hosts, Matt Mills and Tito. Welcome back, Cardinal fans, to another episode of the Turn In Two podcast. Back with me again, the one, the only, Tito. Rivera, is that was that was is that what you were trying to say there? Right? No, I don't know what the fuck I was trying to say. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, woo, we are live, baby. It we is are exciting live and juiced up. The electric we, factory is open. We've been shooting them roids, ready to roll tonight after a nice three-game sweep of the Stanky Yankees. The stanky Yankees. Wow. We are on it tonight. Good Lord, what a series we just had with the New York Yankees. Uh, you know, we, oh. we honestly we saw some of their best minus Garrett Cole, but you know, game one, night one, we were both in attendance. You know, we got to see nasty Nestor on the mound, and mm-hmm. boy, was he nasty. Um, you know, uh, what a great game. What a hot game. 85, 175% humidity. I sweat for exactly nine innings. I was miserable, but boy, you know, Polly hit that ball into the corner and the Cardinals tack on two runs late to, um, you know, take the lead against the Yankees. What a game. What a game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as you said, both of us in attendance, when, Paul DeYoung came up to bat. I, you know, I couldn't help but think to myself, boy, I think he's going to strike out here. And he proved me wrong. And then he does it again, you know, you know, uh, today to, to help push that sweep across the board. And I know we'll talk about him a little bit later in the episode, but boy, that was fun. Those, this last six games have been electric to you say. Know, it's crazy because I saw DeYoung, step up to the plate and I told my brother I looked at him I said he's going to be swinging first pitch and as soon as I saw that hit I'm like mother my angle is so bad I was like motherfucker he just popped up the judge and then that thing got down and you know oh, dude, it was it, it was a clear hit the entire way well uh, I mean I know your angle wasn't the greatest but like for a second I I just thought to myself if it gets into the gap or in the corners there's a chance that Tyler O'Neill will score and it just, you know, right place at the right time. And, um, you know, you're fortunate that, you know, Tyler O'Neill was on base because that's a lot of speed. Um, anybody else. And I don't think he scores. So um, <laughs> it just, it just was magic in, in a little bit of a moment. So. Well, what an absolute um, confidence booster for the whole team, you know, you know, they exit the, they exit the, 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 the trade deadline, mm-hmm. the two pitchers we'll talk about later, um, you know, and then they come out and they finish off the Cubs. They sweep the Yankees. I mean, Arenado's neck veins are just flexing mm-hmm. right now because I mean, he, dude, I, I wish we could see all of the angles. He's one guy that I want to watch rounding first after a home run each and every time, because that dude puts it all out there whenever yeah. he hits a home run, especially a big one. Yeah, I mean, and, and I don't think there has been a bigger home run than the one today that he hit to put the Cardinals ahead. And I know the Yankees would eventually come back and tie it, but that home run, uh, to me, just just pretty much told the Yankees, you are in for a dogfight today, and I don't care how it happens, but we are going to win. We will beat you, but it, it just told me that this team was not going to go quietly today, and, you know, um, they they just had great plate discipline all series really. I, I don't think there was a an at bat that I thought to myself, boy, that was garbage. Um, I mean, when you when you can when you can win a game twelve to nine and Paul Goldschmidt not really contribute in the hit category because he went zero for two today. Mm-hmm. Um, that's saying something about the rest of your lineup and, and producing it and doing damage at a high rate. Um, and and you know. <laughs> If you were a betting person today, you probably were thinking under, under, under. I mean, the line was set at eight. Uh, Stu and I talked about it this morning. He was really, really in favor of the under. Um, I didn't really have much of an opinion on it, but boy, it was exciting to see some runs, even though it took, what, almost five hours of game time? Or 25, I believe is what it ended at. 
mean, it's just, man, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine sitting through that on Friday. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I don't know how you were, but I was miserable. Oh, it was, it was, it was extremely humid outside. Um, I was definitely sweating. I was definitely sweating. Well, but... I mean, yeah. And I mean, sweating, doing nothing. That's what was uh, about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I looked to the left and, and a drop of sweat would come pouring out. Mm-hmm. It was sad. Yeah. Um, one thing I do want to talk about before we kind of continue this, this conversation of, of how the Cardinals are doing. And I, and I, and I want your opinion on this because you asked me this um, and I want us to both give an answer so that uh, those who listen can kind of feel where we are with it. But look before these games happen, what was your initial assessment of, the trade pickups of Quintana, Stratton, and Montgomery? Well, I mean, I said earlier, you know, whenever the Soto stuff started that, you know, if we didn't go after Soto, we need to get some solid pitchers. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody, every Cardinal fan is blinded by the Soto word, the Soto name, sorry. Every Cardinal fan is blinded by, it, you know, oh, Sort of this, sort of that. That's what you want, especially whenever you hear your name connected to it. But whenever you take a step back and you look what Quintana and what Montgomery are doing to the rotation, you know, all in all, it's a great thing. It's a great thing that's happening for the team, and it makes it makes so much sense. Yeah. And, and, and we said it, I think, two episodes ago when all this – the Juan Soto thing started. The one thing that we keyed in keyed in on was Juan Soto is a want and not a need. So for the Cardinals to be connected to Juan Soto, that's great. I mean, I think you know, obviously, I was uh, giving you the information I had, and I think that the I, it was very clear that the Cardinals were very serious about discussions for Juan Soto and Mo even went to say you know we were in it up until the Monday before the trade deadline which I totally believe everything that I heard gave me that impression but at the end of the day Juan Soto was a want and not a need Mm -hmm. and if the Cardinals wanted to win this year they needed starting pitching yeah. They needed relief pitching help as well. And that trade for Jose Quintana and Chris and Chris Stratton, you gave up peanuts for both of them. Yes, uh, Johan Oviedo was, you know, had shown a little bit of spark there, but he's expendable. And uh, Malcolm Nunez, I think the infielder that went in that deal as well, he's also expendable. Mm-hmm. Um, so to get a caliber of a pitcher as Jose Quintana, um, I think that's, I think that's uh, one of the better trades that Mo has made mid year. Um, that will be one of the most underrated trades that Mo has ever will ever make as the GM of the St. Louis Cardinals, especially, especially if they go on a, a, a tear and, and, um, go deep into the playoffs later. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's not something that we wanted. Of course, you know, whenever you look at at baseball in a whole, you know, everybody just wants bats, 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 bats. Uh um, Of course, that's what I wanted. You know, as soon as you started hearing Juan Soto, Oh yeah, I'd take the bat over starting pitching. But whenever you look at it, whenever you actually take a step back and look at things, um, you know, we really needed the starters that we got. And, And those guys, came out and they impressed yeah both outings so far um you know montgomery comes out from the in sorry from the al east which you know is a tough division to face um and he comes over and he does a masterful performance against his old club you know which is full of great hitters you know um and Quintana, you know i mean it's just if these guys can keep it going where they're at, the only sound, the only non-sound spot we have in the ro- in the rotation, is going to be that that Dakota Hudson start, and even he held it together enough to get to Palante the other night on Friday, 
and Palante gave you what four? Yeah, and, and I mean he looked good too. And and I told you, and I I said it to you. I don't personally think Dakota Hudson pitched as poorly as Ali Marmol made it sound for sure on his comments, and I'll get we'll get some thought on that here soon. But you know, for me, I, I totally agree with you. You know, if, if the two guys that we bring over can stabilize the rotation enough to where the only issue moving forward is that five uh, spot in the rotation, that's not a bad problem to have because you know you already have a guy like Andre Pallante who can step into that role should Dakota Hudson be pulled mm-hmm. uh, from starting, which again based on what Ali Marmol was saying in his post-game comments, I don't know if you heard him, but it sounded like Ali Marmol was ready to pull the trigger yesterday on on Dakota Hudson. And the poor kid, I mean, you know, granted, it is the New York Yankees that you're facing, and that lineup is strong. Um, But it's not like he went out there and gave up 10 runs. Uh, You know, he, he, like you said, he held it to the point where he could. Could he have been better? Of course. I don't think there's any starting pitcher that is going to go out there and say, yes, I threw a perfect game, obviously outside of a perfect game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and to sit there and, and, and really say, you know, Dakota Hudson was terrible. I think that's a miscalculation on how he actually did, but there, there is some inconsistency issues where, you know, you bring up the whole, you know, you, you know, you tweeted the other day, you know, why are we taking, you know, Andre Pallante out when he just pitched that master class against the Nationals? And I think the only thing I can tell you is, is that he's not built to be a starter. He wasn't a starter to start out with. And yes, he went eight innings um, and showed he's got a lot of umph in there. Um, and a lot of <laughs> those are those are some big nads on him, too, for that for that matter. But the case for Andre Pallante now becomes even more critical because of what Ali Marmol has said. And if that's, if he's going to pull the plug on Dakota Hudson, he needs to do it and just not look back. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that, uh, you know, somebody brought it to my attention that, that Andre Pallante is touching near his uh, career innings limit. Right. So, I mean, you don't know what you're going to get after that. You don't want to run the kid ragged and not get right. that. You don't burn out the arm. Um, and it may be just best for him to, you know, the rest of the season to piggyback out of the bullpen for those long relief outings, um, which could be, you know, needed for uh, any, any guy possible. Um, you know, and like I said the other day, you know, on a good scale of things, you know, we get a healthy Jack Flaherty back in September and parts of October Um, and, and, you know, we're running a full steam. Now that's, that's the top tier thing that likelihood of that happening is probably slim, but at the same time, you know, it really completes the rotation. Now, you know, I've heard rumblings of, you know, you know, he probably goes to the bullpen, which would be excellent. You know, if we can get one, two innings out of Jack with, with, um, with his, his pitches, you know, that's excellent. Um, but you know, the, the fifth hole is really concerning to me because, I mean, yeah, you could piggyback Palante, you know, at any point in time, but at the same time, you know, like you said, Hudson didn't pitch bad. I think at the the end of the day, you know, whenever you're suffering in that weather and the slow, the balls, it just all adds up and it just doesn't sit well. Yeah, and, and look, I think it, it becomes critical because there's still a lot of baseball left and every fifth day, Dakota Hudson is scheduled to go out there. And when you're in a position like the Cardinals right now, right, where you're a full two games up now, you cannot afford to slip up just because it's Dakota Hudson. Mm -hmm. That cannot happen. It shouldn't happen. But Dakota Hudson has not been the most consistent starter, so you have to prepare for those things. And that's why I think Andre Pallante will continue to piggyback off of him in the event something happens. Um, You know, at the end of the day, Dakota Hudson is the fifth starter. And you just have to hope that he can figure out a way to, to, 
increase his pace, um, stay consistent within the zone. He's got good stuff. He's, you know, he's got round ball capable material. Um, it's just, it's just staying consistent and staying in the zone and, and just that it just feels like he struggles too much in the first parts of the innings. And it just, uh, it derails very quickly for him. And by the time you know it, he's getting pulled in the fifth inning instead of going six, maybe seven. Um, because that, that, if you think about it, that's where the Cardinals bread and butter really is going to be. If a starter gets to the sixth inning or beyond that game, if they're winning should be a lock. Yeah. Should be a lock with the bullpen that they have right now, that should be a lock. But the problem is, is what happens when a starter can only go four innings like today, Wainwright only made it what through three and a, three and a third, right? He didn't even get out of the fourth or did he get through the fourth? I can't remember. Yeah, I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I think that's that's the role that Palante is going to be in, and that's the role that we could potentially see Jack Flaherty in as well. Yeah, yeah. I, but here's the thing. I, I, I don't think you can rely on that. I'm not saying you are. I'm not – and I don't think the Cardinals are going to rely on it either. What I mean is, is that that is not the game plan that you should have set in stone, right? Yeah, if, Jack, if Jack Flaherty is healthy and can pitch effectively – and that keyword effectively is, is very important. Then you use him. If you're just throwing him out there to pitch because, Hey, we need somebody to <laughs> toss some innings and get us out of this game. That to me does no, does no good for Jack in my opinion. Yeah. That I, I don't like that. Yeah. However, it does give him an opportunity to work on things in game and in, in uh, you know, in, in high leverage situations or even low leverage, it gives them that opportunity. I, I totally get it. I'm just not sure that's what I would do. Well, I mean, if he comes back this year, you know, you may just, you may have to have him in that situation, you know, long relief, something of that nature. Yeah. Um, so I know we discussed a little bit on the, the Malcolm Nunez and, um, Johan Oviedo trade to um, Pittsburgh for Jose Quintana. Um, so let's talk about the other one that, that occurred literally minutes before the deadline ended. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, told, I gave you a warning. You did, of course, you know, standard for you. Just you left it null and void with uh, no information other than it's about to happen. Well, okay, what the fuck is about to happen? <laughs> hey, um, something happened. Yeah. But – um. You know, it's it's such a – I've seen a lot of stuff on both sides. Like, why did this trade happen? Um, you know, and I've even got question marks about it too because at the end of the day, you know, if you think that Bader's your guy or he has been your guy, I mean, you've traded, you've traded multiple players out because Bader's been your guy. Mm-hmm. And then you ship him out. Now, granted, you needed a starting pitcher. Yes, I think a lot of the, the – um, um, plantar fasciitis uh, issues, you know, I think a lot of that the Cardinals had to deal with with Albert Pujols before he left. Um, and I know they know it's a looming thing that um, a glooming thing that just sits over people's heads sometimes. But at the same time, you know, at what point did Bader not become your guy anymore? You know, was it whenever they saw Carlson play a, a good center field? Um, you know, or <sighs> It's just weird to me, and I know I talked to you about this because it's weird to me that the trade happened whenever you have a damn near healthy Tyler O'Neill, you have mm-hmm. a damn near healthy Lars Newbar, you have a healthy Alec Burleson. You know, you've got all these guys that are healthy, but they shipped out an, an injured Harrison Bader, who I felt that they had thrown all of their all their eggs into one basket on him. You know, he was the guy who introduced the new baby blues. I mean, he was their guy, and now he's shipped out to New York for, yes, a starting pitcher. But, you know, it leaves a lot of question marks to fans as to what went wrong, what happened, you know. Yeah, and and I think what I said to you the other day kind of sums it up perfectly is that what you had in Bader – was it 
and what I mean by that is there was no more growth for Harrison Bader outside of what he was already giving you. And when it came to Tyler O'Neill or Dylan Carlson, Carlson's what, 23? He's still got a lot of baseball in him. And Harrison Bader is almost four years older than he is, I'm pretty sure. So I think there's a lot of growth in, in Dylan Carlson. And I think Mo has a particular uh, affinity to Carlson as well. You know, he said he wasn't going to trade him. And I think he, well, the quote has always been, you got to pry him out of my uh, dead hands, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's an affinity there. As far as Tyler O'Neill, I think they are Bader and O'Neill are very similar, but the ceiling is higher, and I mean way higher for Tyler O'Neill than it is Harrison Bader. And it's that's not a knock on Harrison Bader because I thought he was he was pretty good. Um, he was a great defensive center fielder, probably the best in the game. Um, but the thing here is is When it comes to Harrison Bader, his biggest asset, his strongest asset is his speed. If his foot injury is going to cost him that or sap his ability to do that, then I know I understand why the Cardinals made the move that they did. Yeah. I I totally get it. And 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 as I told you, if you can trade him for a starting pitching with at least one year of control or more for Harrison Bader, who only has, I think, a, signed a two-year contract extension. I do that every day of the week, man. I do it every day of the week. I, and I think they kick themselves on maybe not even pulling the trigger because of the Zach Wheeler situation. Yeah. Right? They had an opportunity to trade for Zach Wheeler, um, and it would have cost them either Tyler O'Neill or Harrison Bader. Now, granted, Harrison didn't have his injury that time, but it's not like Harrison Bader was any different of a player than he was then that he is now. So I I think Mo in his mind probably said to himself, look, I've got, I've got a capable center fielder in Dylan Carlson. He's shown that he can play it. He's played an excellent center field since he's taken over the role. And I've got, young guys in Lars Newbar and Alec Burleson that can probably split time playing right field if it came to, and I've got Corey Dickerson also uh, that can play the outfield. Now I'm not going to say that any of those three that I just mentioned are, are, you know, going to save the world, but since Lars Newbar has gotten his playing time, he's been awesome. And he's been a catalyst for this team. So Losing Harrison Bader isn't the issue. What was the issue is, is what would Jordan Montgomery bring to the team? Mm -hmm. What could he do that would make the trade justifiable? And I think that's why people had such a strong reaction because it's like, you know, everybody, I mean, Harrison Bader was well-liked among plenty of Cardinal fans. So to trade somebody that you like for starting pitching, you have to be really sure about that starting pitching. And granted, what Jordan Montgomery did yesterday was pretty dang good. I mean, again, that's a a strong Yankees lineup, not the strongest. It's missing Stanton and it's missing Rizzo, but it's still a strong lineup. They're very capable of of putting up runs in a heartbeat, Mm -hmm. uh, just like they did today. Mm -hmm. So what Jordan Montgomery does from here on out is going to be met with the, you know, the largest microscope in the entire world because everybody will want a justification of why that was made. Well, guess what? Saturday was a pretty dang good start to, to, to justifying that trade. And I, again, I make that trade 10 out of 10 times Harrison Bader. I respect him. He's a good, he's a good player. He is expendable. He is expendable. And, and there are, there are going to be other Harrison Baders out there. Is Carlson as fast as Harrison? Probably not, but you wouldn't be able to tell because Carlson's played a pretty dang good center field. Yeah, he plays a great center field. Um, you know, and I think it's a lot. I mean, this could just be him naturally. I mean, he did the same stuff in Springfield. You know, it's just it's really good ball play. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 
you're right. He's Harrison Bader was expendable in the outfield, and um, you know I think we'll. I think it it hurt a lot of fans because that was a lot of people's guy. You know that's who they love because you know he brought a lot of energy to the team. Um, And I I like the energy that he brought too. But again, I will always come down to it and say if you can trade an outfielder of Harrison Bader's caliber for starting pitching, solid starting pitching, you, you pull the trigger every single time. The Cardinals needed it and they had, and he was expendable to them. It's, it's a, it's a no brainer in my opinion. It's a no brainer. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I totally get it. Um, And I guess, you know, and I guess an hour before I was listening to uh, the Friday episode of the one-on-one fast line today and uh, Jamie Rivers was talking about how, um, no, it was Dan McLaughlin was talking to um, Ollie and, you know, Ollie, I mean, Danny said, you know, is this all we're doing? And Ollie said, you know, Mo approached me and said, you know, we're working on something. And I guess Mo was ecstatic about it. And um, I mean, I, you know, it turned into a, you know, a, a pitcher for a, a DL center fielder. So, um, you know, maybe that may be the fleece of the entire, uh, trade deadline well at the end I mean, but, but i mean at this point if you're mo you're sitting you're looking down at you're looking down from your pedestal saying where where's where am i where's my competition in terms of the trade market because look ever since the yankees made their trades they're zero and five and the cardinals are four and oh well and then you look at something like the padres uh, yeah, who made yeah. a trade for a closer an elite closer uh one of the best right fielders in the game a great first baseman this year at the at the dish, mm-hmm. um, and Brandon Drury, whatever the fuck position he plays, yeah, and I still mean, can't and still can't beat the Dodgers. And they're still not even kind of runs. Still can't beat them. It's embarrassing. I mean, AJ Preller. I, I, I would assume that if if they don't make the playoffs this year, AJ Preller's got to be be a shit canned. I mean, that's that's some that would be something to discuss for sure. I just I look at their series and I think to myself, you had an opportunity to make a whole statement going into Dodger Stadium <clears throat> after getting all those players, and these are the runs that they put up. The first game, eight to one loss. Second game, eight to three loss. Next game, four zero. <laughs> they scored four runs in three games with probably one of the best hitting lineups out there yes that's embarrassing that's right and and look again this goes to show you some moves are very very calculated like mo and some moves are done because look we have an opportunity to do this and look maybe and maybe aj preller thought the only way we can beat the dodgers is by acquiring these two players and josh Hader. the only way we can do it yeah and and granted this is in August, if they were to meet down the road in the playoffs, which I assume will happen, um, they need those players to be able to beat the Dodgers. But you would have thought that they would have put up a better fight than what they did this weekend. I mean, that's mm-hmm. not – it's not a good look. It's not. No, it's not. It's I mean, but but you got to think. You know, they went back a few years back. You know, they signed Hosmer. Mm-hmm. Didn't pan out. Nope. You know, they signed uh, Craig Kimbrell didn't really do much and then they traded him off it's just like they're just trying to throw shit at the wall and see what sticks Mm -hmm. and um yeah i mean that there's definitely some some things and 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 we would be very remiss if we did not mention this team especially with how things are going for them the brewers are in an absolute tailspin I don't. I wouldn't call it a tailspin because look, they've only lost they've they've lost their division lead, which was four, not too long ago, and all of a sudden now it's become a two game deficit. So they've really lost six games worth of <laughs> uh, of placement in the span of a week and a half. Um, they're four and six in their last ten, including a three game sweep at Pittsburgh. They just lost two of three at home to the Reds who traded everybody that was worth a dang to them. Um, they've got some serious issues. 
And I, and I, I, for the life of me, I don't understand that Josh Hader trade. I, I don't, I understand why you would do it, but in the middle of a season when you're leading the division, it makes less than negative sense. I, I, I can't understand it. Yeah. It's weird. You know, um, it, that that trade kind of blew my mind. Um, I, I, I I I texted you immediately. I was just like, "What is going on right now?" It's weird, um, and it's like they. I mean, I don't know what his contract looked like. I don't visit up after this year. No, he's got another year of arbitration, and then he's a free agent. That's, but the problem is, is that he was going to get paid. I totally get that. Mm-hmm. But then trade him in the off season. <laughs> Like if you, what are you doing? Like if you don't want him next, if you don't want him, stick with him for the rest of this year. Keep your bullpen intact, and then move him in the off season. Yeah, that's super weird, especially whenever you're three games up in the division at the time. You know, that is. I mean, let's be real. The pitching is what has gotten Milwaukee to where they are. Their bats are, you know, dead as a doornail, mm-hmm. um, but their pitching has been elite. And that's got them where they're, where they're at. And whenever you trade off one of the best closers in the game today, you know, you are – it's a recipe for dis, for the disaster. And, and, their, and their schedule the next uh, 10 or so games is not easy. It's not. They've got two against the Rays, three at St. Louis, and then the Dodgers come into town for four. That's that's not easy. Yeah, no, it's not. It's you know that bullpen. Yeah, granted they got some pieces back, but those aren't Josh Hader pieces, you know. Right. I mean, and and just prospectively looking, right? First pitching matchup against the Cardinals is scheduled to be Eric Lauer versus Jordan Montgomery. Then you get Corbin Burns versus Miles Michaelis. Heck of a game there, that's for sure. Mm Um, and then that last game is, I'm sorry, that's the last game, excuse me. The middle game is Aaron Ashby versus Adam Wainwright. So you're, you're seeing the tail end of that and then seeing their best without having to go through Woodruff or Peralta, which Peralta doesn't scare me because it seems like we shell him for 10 runs every single time he pitches. Yeah. So, and then, like I said, Right after the Cardinals, they go, you know, they go home and play uh, the Dodgers. That's not, it's just not easy. I mean, they're going to, they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle. And if you are the Cardinals right now, you're licking your chops saying, huh, that doesn't seem so bad because the Cardinals in the meantime, while those games are going on, they have three with the Rockies, the three with the Brewers, and then the three with the Rockies again. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of room, a wiggle room here for the Cardinals. And, you know, I, I could easily see the Cardinals going into Denver, you know, this week, tacking on uh, three more wins to this win streak to push it to 10. And you might lose one against the Brewers, but what the Brewers do in between, <laughs> I don't know, man, that, that, that team is, is on a serious serious uh, downhill slope and it's not looking good that trade derailed them completely i well, don't and it, and it sets uh it sets the tone in the clubhouse too yeah Very look at Devin williams i mean i'm sure you saw the video of Devin yeah williams. yeah and i mean it, it, it's gonna trickle down you know it's, it's like why the hell did you trade this guy away we're in the lead for the division and it, it probably the clubhouse is probably you know running limping limping right now until something can happen i mean think about it they trade draft they trade josh Hader, then devin william goes to close blows it well i would i shouldn't say blows it but gives up a walk-off home run to brian reynolds shout out to brian reynolds i wish the cardinals could take him he was he's so good great center fielder great switch hitter let me ask you something kills the cardinals this is kind of off topic but still trade line shit the other day, whenever they said that Whit Merrifield was traded, you threw some eyes out there on Twitter. Do you think he was coming to St. Louis? I thought there was a chance. Well, you kind of put me in hopes. I mean, a little bit of hopes. I, I thought there was a chance. I mean, look, because the only reason I thought that was because Harrison Bader was injured. I had no idea that they were going to go full-time Dylan Carlson in center field. 
But a trade for Whit Merrifield made a lot of sense, in my opinion, for the Cardinals, just because he, you know, he's a, a good contact hitter, which you need at the top of the lineup if Tommy Edmond is going to continue to struggle, right? Gets mm-hmm. on base, has some pop. Scott Speed can steal. I mean, it makes a lot of sense, in my opinion. But, you know, they did what they did. They traded him to Toronto, and, you know, I hope he has success there. I mean, for the Royals, for the Royals to trade Whit Merrifield, uh, it probably stung just because he's one of their guys. He's one of their farm guys. Um, but I feel like if he would, if the Cardinals were to come knocking, the Royals probably would have gotten a little, would have asked for more than what Toronto gave him. Yeah. Um, so I know you asked me, but what you know. Who do you think the winners and losers are of the trade deadline? I'm not going to even talk about the Cardinals in this because my bias will show a little bit too much. Um, So I'll stick with, I think the Seattle Mariners definitely stand out as a winner to me. Um, And that's evidenced by Castillo going into New York and his first start as a Seattle Mariner and absolutely shutting the door down on him. Um, that was awesome to, to, to see some highlights and just keep up with that game. I mean, he was nails. Um, so I think the Seattle Mariners definitely came out feeling good about that. Um, is it pushing them over the top? We'll see. Um, they still have a, they still have to compete with Houston in the, uh, um, in the division. And as we talked about a couple episodes ago, you asked me if I thought the Mariners would get to the Cardinals' uh, 17 game win streak. And as soon as I saw it was against Houston uh, on the return, I said, absolutely not. Wasn't going to happen. Um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, the Houston Astros have also kind of gone in a funk lately. They, I think they lost two of three out, of, you know, out in uh, Cleveland, which is not a good look. Uh, but I guess it doesn't hurt whenever the Yankees are also losing. So that top spot in the AL is still uh, very much in, in line here. Um, and at the end of the day, I, I think Seattle came out on top there. Um, another winner, in my opinion, I still think the Astros did a really good job at the deadline on adding pieces. They needed a catcher, so they uh, swapped Christian Vasquez. Um, they got Trey Mancini, who is a really underrated player, in my opinion. Um, and he's already hit, I think, two home runs, including a grand slam for the Astros. Uh, so I think that's a that's a great move on their part. Um, I, I, I guess you can say the Padres are also winners in terms of, hey, you get Juan Soto for two and a half years. Um, I just don't know um, if the if the uh, the return will yield the results for them. Um, we've seen it time and time again, where a big player jumps to a a big market. I think of Bryce Harper going to Philly, um, where they have not won anything. And I'm wondering if that's going to be the same with Soto where he, uh, you know, he's he's in San Diego. It's going to be, uh, popping, especially with, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Coming back soon. Um, that, that offense is going to be stacked. Uh, but can they get it done? Is their pitching good enough to get it done? And I just don't know that. Um, so I think they missed an opportunity to maybe even trade for a starter. Um, but that's the price you pay when you go for Juan Soto. Uh, Oops, sorry. Go ahead. So I heard something on Fastlane today. Well, whenever I listen to podcast today too, you know, um, if let's say that, I mean, they, they, the Padres essentially went all in. Let's be real. Yeah, no, that, that all is in. an all-in move. Um, if they don't make it to uh, an LCS in this two and a half years, I mean, I, I personally would consider it a failure. I would have too. I would too. Absolutely. You don't, again, you do not trade for the best closer in baseball, the best right fielder in baseball, and, you know, the best first baseman on the market in the year. And – you know, if you, if you, without the aspiration of World Series or bust, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, it's not about them so much as the Padres starting pitching, because it's very clear when they, they can't even beat the Dodgers. 
And yeah. I know that I know it's a, it's in LA, but again, as I said earlier today, they had an opportunity to make a huge statement, a huge statement, and they failed to do that. And I think that's a big miss on their part. And if I was in that clubhouse, I mean, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall in that clubhouse because I'm sure there were some, uh, some, uh, uh, some choice words because they should not be embarrassed like that. And if you think that Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to come back and, and, save your, and save the world, that very may well be the case. But he hasn't seen any game action at the major league level yet. So I know he's got a lot of talent, but he's going to need some time to, to, to get back up to game speed just because he's hitting batting practice and they're making a big deal about it doesn't mean shit. It doesn't. Well, so there, think, there's a lot. I think what concerns me with the Padres team in itself, there's a lot of personality on the team, a lot of different personality. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Machado is one. Soto has got a little bit of a personality. Tatis is out there. Um, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting, but good Lord. And, and we're going to, we're going to find out firsthand come September that, yeah. that late September series will, we will find out firsthand exactly, uh, what that's like. The absolute fucking to Luke yeah. Voigt, though. Good God. Yeah. Now that's hilarious in my opinion. And good. And you know what? I think I may have said it to you, but I think that Good for Eric Hosmer for not fucking caving in and saying, yeah, sure, whatever. Good for him. Use oh, yeah. your, use every bit of that opt-out or that trade clause to say, I'm not going to, net, to Washington. You can't make me. That's kind of funny, though. I've legit never heard that happening like, out in the Me either. Yeah, well, most of, most of the time it's a foregone conclusion. Like, oh, yeah, the guy's going to wave the no trade. You know, the no trade clause, so he can just move on, whatever. But good for Eric Cosmer. He doesn't want to go to a losing situation. I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. And I mean, it's not like the Red Sox are in a better situation, or well, they're not in a they're they're in a better situation than Washington, but you know, at least he's gonna play meaningful games out there. You know, he just came, I think he was just in Kansas City. Uh, this week, you know, facing his former old team where he won the World Series. I mean, I'm sure that was fun for him. Oh, yeah. You got to have fun, you know. Think, you think he's going to have fun in Washington? No. Please. That'd be terrible. Absolutely. And, and, and look, he also forced the Padres, you know what? You don't want me? Guess what? You're going to have to pay another team $44 million for me to go there. <laughs> so suck on that, too. Yeah, I don't know. Man, that, that money situation does not look good at all. Well, that's, but that's the thing. We talk time and time again about the calculated risks that Mo's, Mo takes, the payroll, all these things in between, right? It's about efficiency where your dollars are. Businesses run like this all the time. They put value to their money. What is going to bring me the most value when I pay this player X amount of dollars? Think about Goldschmidt. He's giving you an MVP-esque season. And he's one of your top play, paid players. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Nolan Arenado, who arguably is having one of the best weeks of his life, is getting paid top dollar to be an MVP type player. Mm-hmm. That is where the value lies, right? Mm-hmm. It's no different than bringing, about, bringing back Albert Pujols. You know, you're spending two and a half million dollars for you to have a guy on the bench that one can be an, a mentor to young players, but also be a pretty productive hitter. It's same thing with Yadier Molina. You know, you bring him back the amount of times that you have extension after extension because he still provides you value for your money. That's how it works. That's always how it's going to be. So, you know, these, these teams that spend a lot of money, um, they have to have everything go right. I mean, the Dodgers are a very, very good case of this, right? Spend a lot, a lot of money to have a lot of great players, yet they've only won World, one World Series. And in, a shortened season. In a shortened season. You know, they didn't make it last year. They didn't make it, you know, and it's obviously we'll see what happens this year. Um, but money is not always the answer. 
Kansas City, when they won in 2015, they were a prime example of that. They didn't have a big star name. The best, the be- biggest name they had was Salvador uh, Perez, but everybody knew who he was because he was already good. But it's not like he was signed to big money. So, you know, this, this value that Mo puts on players with, with dollar signs, you just have to appreciate that, he, you know, that he knows what he's doing. But I just feel like every time, every other time, we just see somebody else saying, fire Mo, fire Mo, fire Mo. And I'm like, I, I don't know why. I, I truly don't know why. I don't get it. I mean, that's just, you know, somebody's got to be yeah. scared. Nope. Yeah, we, got, we have to blame somebody. I totally agree. I totally agree. I get that. I get that. So, well, I mean, we've we've covered it really this week. I mean, we we've been busting ass, getting W's. Um, you know, a huge huge series sweep uh, against the Yankees, a very good Yankees team in St. Louis. Um, do you have anything? Uh, any, any closing arguments? Um, no, but you know, as I've said before, you know. I, I will never give up on this team, no matter the situation. Um, I think people are, are starting to take notice that when you get good quality starting pitching, um, things actually don't look as bad as they seem. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this is also a turning point for the front office as well. Um they know that starting pitching is important. Don't get me wrong. But I think they, they realize, like, look, we need established major league pitchers to, to make this thing work. Because if we're going to pay a ton of money for Arnado, Goldschmidt to, to be our guys, we need to back them up with quality starting pitching as well and a quality bullpen. And I thought the Cardinals have had a quality bullpen for the last – pretty much three years so it's just that starting pitching piece that always feels like a a tweak or two and if you noticed what did they add this year that they did again last year left-handed pitching Mm -hmm. left-handed pitching and they're going to continue to harp on that look how many left-handed pitchers they took in the draft recently it's an interesting thing teams teams struggle against left-handed pitching because it is so rare to see it Look at what the Brewers do against left-handed pitching. The Reds do against left-handed pitching. It is a recipe that they did last year, and I said it, that they were going to do it again, and they they have proven me right. Left-handed pitching is so important to this team because at the end of the day, all these teams have good hitters. When you get to the playoffs, there's not a team that's going to be that poor. They got They're there for a reason. But if you can go out there in, in long series and throw your guys and have them, you know, essentially mix up some people. I mean, look at some of the best hitters on Milwaukee's team are what? Left-handed pitching, Christian – or left-handed hitting, Christian Yelich, Roddy Tellez. You got Colton Wong who's left-handed. They all struggle against left-handed pitching. Mm-hmm. So these are, calcu- again, calculated moves, calculated moves to make the Cardinals – the best team in the division moving forward. Yeah. And it took, it took time to get there. I totally get that. And I know people were frustrated and I know people kept banging on the drum. Oh, we need starting pitching. Well, now we have it. And now you've seen what can happen when you get quality pitching, you get a nice little win streak going. Um, and like I said, I would not be surprised if this thing gets to 10 by the time they're done with the Rockies and head back to St. Louis to play at the Brewers. Um, and I'm not saying that they're going to hit a 17 game win streak uh, anytime soon, but the way that they're playing right now, the way that the offense is, is playing. Um, I'm not going to be surprised if it, if it got to, to 13, 14 games or even 15 games again. Um, that's just how the Cardinals can play. Um, you just have to hope that in between, uh, that the Brewers also lose. So that way you can just have some, some flexibility towards the end. But I, I just, I, as I, I know that you and I agree on this, I think this is the Cardinals division to lose at this point, especially with what has happened at the trade deadline. Um, I, I fully expect 
them to win the division. And if, and if they don't, it, in my opinion, the season is a failure, even if they make it past, you know, the divisional round or the, that first round of the games and, and make it to the NLCS. I think it's a failure. Interesting. Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, and also shout out to my dad, uh, Yankees fan. He's going to be eating a lot of crow uh, for the next couple of uh, days or so while I uh, gleefully, gleefully sit on this uh, series win. You got to. You know, that's what we got in our back pocket. Boy, that was fun. Oh, ooh, actually, I wanted to ask you this. Uh-huh. So Brendan uh, Schaefer put out a, a, a question on Twitter, and it was, was this, the, this, was this last series the best um, series in, you know, at Bush? And I wanted to know your opinion on that. I think in recent memory, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was, you know, you, you weren't expecting to one sweep. No, you know, I, I coming into it, I expected maybe one win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I would agree with that. One win probably would have been all I thought, and to come out with three against uh, one of the best teams in the AL, I mean, very memorable for me. That's for sure. I mean, I think one other person said the Padres series from twenty twenty one. Um, that was a very good series. And I thought that, you know, in my opinion, broke the Padres to the point where there was no return for them. Um, and that was in the midst of that uh, just magic run of seven, 17 games. Um, but to me, just the way that the Cardinals performed up and down for three games in a row against one of the best teams in the AL, I just don't know if you can beat that. That's It just was – a lot of fun and just awesome, awesome games. Yeah, I mean, two comebacks and a one nothing win. I mean, that's that's huge. It's tough. That's tough, man. I mean, Friday's game, man. We were again. We both were there. That is just that's a that's a such a gutsy win. That again, that's one of those wins where you say, "Boy, this team could really pop off if they if they just keep that groove going and keep that energy." Um, like I said, they could pop off. 12, 15 games in a row and just not look back. Yeah, no, I agree. That's all I got. I'm, okay, I'm, I'm cool. tapped out. Tap me out. Cool. All right, guys, if you want to subscribe, subscribe to the Turning 2 Podcast, as always, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Turning 2, the number 2 podcast. Uh, Tito, your handle? At Triveratops, T Rivera, T O P S. Triceratops with a V. Triceratops with a V. Hold on to those weenies, Cardinal fans. We're just in the thick of it. Come on now. Into the thick of it. (laughs) Into the thick of it. (laughs) Okay, okay. All right. And until next time. How about them Cardinals? Woo!